Welcome to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast sponsored by JLS Automation, a leader in hygienic primary and secondary robotic packaging solutions for the bakery industry. I'm your host, Joni Spencer, Editor-in-Chief for Commercial Baking, and I'm spending this season with New Haven, Connecticut-based Chabasso Bakery, a B Corp certified commercial artisan bakery. And we are visiting with various members of the team to explore their journey of becoming a certified B Corporation and how this bakery is using its business as a force for good. This week, I'm talking with Rich Jamesley, Chabasso's VP of Operations and Supply Chain, and Charlie Nagaro Jr., President of Chabasso, about the bakery's plans for the future in terms of improving and innovating for a three-year recertification. Hi, Charlie and Rich. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Johnny. Hey, Johnny. So we have spent a few weeks really talking in depth about what it took to get this B Corp certification. It's a long and labor-intensive process. And last week, Rich and I had this incredible conversation about what the certification looks like in the operation. But in so many ways, achieving this was just the first step because in three years, you're going to have to get recertified and kind of do it all over again. So can you sort of just first explain to me what exactly a recertification entails? So the the B Corp assessment you go through, you have quite a few questions and then you have to demonstrate your results against those that then gets certified by the B Lab group. They go through and confirm that you're meeting the criteria and then provide the score. The criteria gets more challenging each recertification. So we will need to be better than we were in this past certification. And over the next three years, we'll continue to evolve how we do business in order to attain that recertification. Yeah, it's not a one and done. And it really sets your bar higher and higher every time, right? Yeah, I I think when you become a company, you become a company and, you know, you just continue. But when you're a B Corp, every three years, you have to validate that you are meeting all those criteria that they have for being a B Corp and knowing that the criteria changes and gets more challenging each time means you have to get better. And you have to have a continuous improvement process within your organization to evolve and attaining that recertification every three years. Rich, we closed out last week by saying three years goes by really fast. So happy 2023. You've got two years (laughs) left now. Have you already started planning for your recertification and sort of what does that look like? What we're looking at is at the various platforms, and I think we have some exciting things that we're working on from a people standpoint, which really is how we're going to invest in our people to make them better, which will obviously make Chabasso a stronger organization. And I'll, I'll just add to that, um, you know, having someone like Rich who has been a part of a B Corp before is just invaluable, to be overly honest. 
after we got certified, there's an extent of like, okay, now what? <laughs> Having someone on the team with the experience in manufacturing that Rich has and the experience with B Corp is um, among a lot of things comforting. I think as we mentioned last week, it's, you know, it's this constant struggle and process to improve. And this is almost like a whole new challenge to continue to improve and evolve. You know, everyone needs to play a role now. So part of what we're going to be doing is setting up these cross-department committees and establishing really like actual clear goals. And uh, I think that one of the aspects of the B Corp certification that was really a a helpful tool for us or the compass that we talked about was my dad's always tried to treat everybody like family in the company, but it's always to some degrees lacked a focus. And, you know, to be measured means you have to have a focus. We think that these kind of buckets of improvement that we're going to have going forward are just going to continue to be our hiring strategies, you know, um, improving our environmental footprint, and then getting into, you know, what impact can we have on our regional supply chain? It really takes you from a mindset of here's what we want to be into this is what we are. Yeah. And even before that, it's a, it's a yes and. And like even before that, it requires you to get shaken out of like the day-to-day firefighting. As Rich mentioned, it's, it's not big steps, it's tiny steps. And those tiny steps happen every single day. You know, if you can get, just get your head above water like a little bit so you can kind of be intentional about how you're reacting to those tiny steps, they build into something big over a long period of time. That process of collaborating and building something is what really gets me excited about going to work. Even on our toughest days, kind of keeps us all in the game, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, I want to take a second, Charlie, and sort of (laughs) talk about Rich like he's not here. Sorry, Rich. But, you know, you mentioned like, what a key team member he is. And I just want to, again, point out like what incredible find to be able to bring someone on your team with not only 40 years of experience in the industry, but also someone who came from, and I mentioned it last week, Rich didn't just come from another B Corp. I mean, he came from the standard bearer B Corp in the baking industry. And in my opinion, How does having Rich on this team really help that mindset of just like you said, like, woohoo, let's celebrate for a minute. We did it and high five. Now back to work because the work's just starting. How does having Rich, how is that a game changer for you? Rich started with us in January of 2022, but I've known about Rich for probably like two or three years through some of our advisors and then some consultants that work for us. The baking industry is relatively tiny, so everybody knows everybody. Our last few years, I come into our like CapEx meetings and our engineering consultant, this guy named Tom Kors, who was also consulting down with Rich, would come and say, you know, hey, there's this guy, Rich, and he's doing all this stuff. Those stories build into, without you realizing, you're like, yeah, yeah I got to meet this guy. How do I, uh, how do I find a Rich? <laughs> you know, Tom called me one day and said there was an opportunity to meet Rich. And then it was also an opportunity to possibly hire Rich. And um, Tom called me at like six o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> on his way to another meeting. And, uh, and even just the process of getting to know Rich was, I would say, unique to meeting other people. And uh, I think when you kind of meet someone 
you know, whether it's going to be a friend or an employee or a coworker or something, you kind of go, yep, like this is, you know, we're in cahoots here. So the process of getting to know Rich, being introduced to Rich was great. And then the value of having someone who has been there, done that, but who is also open, you know, there's zero, this is the way it's been done. So let's do it. Or this is the way I did it here. So let's do it that way. You know, he has a very open mind and, you know, there's things that I get to learn from him on a daily basis that keep my eyes open to those small things that we can just be improving on culturally. You know, this was probably also one of the more challenging, well, three years, but most challenging year for any industry dealing with like sudden abrupt inflation and, um, you know, a, a label, labor constraint that's somewhat related to that, but somewhat not. So having someone like Rich around, you know, I'm not sure how I could have done it without him. And that's all down to his experience in manufacturing and in B Corps, but also just his personality and cultural outlook. Yeah. So I guess this next question is kind of based on all of that. It's for both of you sort of as you were going through the application process. And I think you both have very different perspectives on this, but did the idea or the knowledge that you're going to have to be recertified in three years, did that impact your initial improvements that you made for the application process? I would say that the recertification from a professional standpoint really just gives you focus and every organization sets their long-term goals and, and their roadmap of the future. But knowing that you have to get recertified just makes you focus that you're going to have to get better and you're going to have to have the goals in order to do that. And, you know, sometimes goals are on a piece of paper and you share it and whatnot. But knowing that an external group is going to look at what you've done and that you have to demonstrate those results and, and progression over the three years is healthy. And I, I think it gives you that determination of what do we have to do differently to get better? And again, I think it's all under the lens of continuous improvement and how are you are driving those results. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, you know, I've been a part of various different ways of like setting strategy and setting goals. And it's for me and I think a lot of people in our organization, it's, it's like what, the right tool is the one that works. You know, it's not your job to like go off alone in a room and figure out what to do and then come back and sell it to people. You know, it's your job to kind of like get everybody together and collaborate and figure out like, what's the problem? What are some possible ways or what's the opportunity? What are some possible ways to get through it together? What are some possible ways to capitalize on it? Like, what do we do? So I think that lends more to kind of an organic uh, <laughs> uprising. <laughs> of strategies and tactics and um, the goals that we set or the focuses that we set to get certified just kind of came out of what we were already doing. Charlie, that kind of reminds me of something that you said in the very first episode. And that was, it is so much easier to fix something that was wrong than it is to figure out what went right. Mm, yeah. And understanding what went right and how to improve on that really does require that sort of team collaboration. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, sometimes our best days are our most frustrating because it's it's a combination of um, you know a hundred things that went perfectly rather than just like one thing that went catastrophically wrong. It's great to have those things, those days occur back to back, <laughs> and uh, to be successful day in and day out. It's gotta, it's gotta. You have to kind of somehow uh, permeate everybody's mind the same goal that we're here to make uh, a quality product, and um, it's something to be proud of. Yeah. So now that you are an official certified B Corporation. How does it change your definition of innovation in terms of your product development, but also as a manufacturer? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, one of the pieces that many organizations as, as we've gone through the tight uh, labor availability have gone to automation. And I think that in particular in the artisan bread, the use of our people to make that bread special, which is also part of the innovation process. Products that we are making available, both new as well as our existing, is a key to our success. And that's why investing in our people is a key piece that we are going after. We believe in investing in our people. And I'll, I'll just add from the manufacturer side, I, you know, there's daily reminders that, you know, what the benefits of having a collaborative working environment. And I think last week, Rich mentioned that through this challenging year, uh, we've been able to improve our throughput. Another piece that has come out of 2022 is that we've always had very good throughput, but our team came together this year and came up with new ways of asking for longer lead times from our customers. And Rich has been working with scheduling and, you know, being when we sit down with a customer this past year, all the conversations are around price, but to be able to sit down and then tick through their check boxes and get to the end and go, oh, your fulfillment rate is 99.9%. Great. I think that's been, that has been a, an enormous help for us. It might not sound like a huge thing, but it's something that has come out of this culture and, you know, when someone from the outside looks at, you know, why should I invest in culture or why should I invest in B Corp? It's how does that improve? What are my tangible assets that come out of that? What's my ROI? There's a lot of, I guess you could call them soft gains from it that actually help you out tremendously. Well, I mean, I would say that 99.9% fulfillment rate is a pretty big deal. <laughs> That's pretty tangible. <laughs> yeah. And I, it's, it's, a lot of it is is just communication and everybody working together and knowing that we have to figure out a way to make this happen and, and do it sanely so that we can do it every week, not just this week. Uh -huh. Let's kind of unpack this a little bit more because Rich has mentioned it. You have mentioned it. Everybody knows that 2022, despite being generally considered post-pandemic, was a really, really hard year. How do you guys see supply chain disruption and this record inflation really impacting your ability to innovate at the level and pace that you need to stay on a three-year cycle? Because again, said it several times, three years goes by really, really fast. I think from a customer-consumer need, we have to continue to innovate 
and come up with the products that meet the new demands of our consumers. And I think that we have to partner with our vendors and figure out how we can achieve that with all the challenges uh, from the supply chain and find the partners that will work with us in order to do that. So we come up with the new innovations. Again, being in the artisan bread industry, you can't stand still. You need to come up with new products that people are going to want to try and continue being a supporter of the Chapasso brand, which ultimately leads to the support of our people and community. I think the one of the the plus sides of a restricted supply chain was um, I give everybody kind of the excuse to just kind of focus on the basics. A lot of customers just came out and said, well, here's what I actually just really need. I think there is some carryover from that in acceptability in the industry and maybe all industries and folks' ability to kind of say no gently to things. Whereas in the past, like Rich is saying, you know, people are looking for innovation. You know, like we've all gone to IVIE and IDDBA and seen kind of innovation that's like very far afield. And those things very rarely stick, but they're flashy and they're new and they're exciting and they kind of create ripple effects um, and they create disruption. What we've been able to do is just be smarter about the lanes that we want to be driving in and set ourselves up ahead of time with that, whether we're talking to customers or brokers or our own team, just say like, here's what we are really good at. Here's what providing a solution looks like. Here's what it doesn't look like. Here's how we focus. Let's stay focused. So there's always these opportunities to still be creative, but it's, it's just very important that it's a, um, a very intentional focused effort. Troubleshooting Innovation is brought to you by JLS Automation, a leader in automated bakery packaging solutions. Simple and easy to use primary loading systems, cartoners, and case packers. Fill labor gaps while keeping your bakery products safe. Compatible with various sustainable packaging materials and formats. Gentle product handling from raw dough to fragile pastries and all the way to sandwich assembly. Enhance worker safety while reducing waste. When performance of your bakery line matters, JLS provides innovative solutions that help make your business a force for good. Learn more at jlsautomation.com. Everybody's dealing with supply chain and inflation. Everybody. No one's immune to it. But then Chabasso is in a relatively unique position because you've got those challenges. You're an artisan bread manufacturer. So that comes with its own unique set of challenges. And now you're a B Corp and that has its own set of unique circumstances. So when you put all of those things together, how does that impact what you're looking for in your supplier partners? And how does it impact, especially as a B Corp and looking through it, that lens, how does it impact who you're choosing to work with and what those requirements are? And I'm thinking from, from an equipment standpoint, as well as an ingredient standpoint. I, I think one of the 
and and this might dovetail off of your last question. I think when I was uh, in the courting stages with coming to Chabasso, one of the things that fascinated me was uh, Reed and Charlie were looking at regional grains. Quite frankly, I didn't realize how many regional grains were available here. But as we went through the 22 challenges of supply chain, it could not be an initiative that we could take on at that particular point. But I think that as we go forward, in particular, from a three-year lens, we, we will further pursue and find partners within the regional grains, which will be a great innovation for an artisan bread that will show our B Corp as well as our company beliefs in utilizing partners who are from the area, which really gets into the planet initiative of B Corp. I, I think that's, you know, our experience over the last year or two is, has affected how we look at that. Uh, you know, when we first started to think about, you know, putting regional grains into what we do, there's a lot of, lot of challenges there. But, you know, coming out of the last year, we're like, oh, I think I, we think this could work in these specific ways where it creates meaningful impact and is also something that's accepted by a consumer or a customer or retailer. And I think like as we look at, you know, these smart partnerships, whether they be between us and a retailer or us and a vendor, it's, you know, everybody's still looking for the same thing. Um, you know, I interact mostly with our retailers and it's, you know, they're looking for the best possible product at the best possible price. And, uh, you know, they're looking for a great service, you know, someone that's going to pick up the phone and help them walk through and solve their problems. We try to stick with people uh, or we try to stick with partners, whether they're retailers or vendors that you can see eye to eye on challenges when they come up because they are going to come up. You can't expect everything to go perfectly. So it's, uh, you know, you get to know people really quickly. It kind of goes along with your theory that it's easier to understand what goes wrong than understand what went right. That's when the work gets done. You usually create the best bonds with people through conflict. So, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, right? <laughs> That's true. Okay, we're talking about the recertification for your B Corp certification, and it's a three year cycle. I've said that phrase three year cycle several times, and you can't say those words without thinking about IBIE. Your certification happened in 2022. Your recertification is going to happen in 2025. That's the IBIE show cycle. So what does that intersection look like for Chabasso from a strategic standpoint? How does your certification cycle impact how you approach IBIE? Yeah, it was. So this was the first 2022 was the first year I got to go back to IBIE in entirely too long. And it was great just seeing everybody connecting with everybody. You know, maybe it was this kind of like mid post pandemic feeling that everybody had, but just being in the same place with everyone. It was joyous, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is probably the one of the best places for us to 
be looking for partners to improve our cultural efforts going forward. I think if we can find ways to infect the IBIE world with the B Corp world, it'll it'll benefit everybody. I th- kind of think you're onto something there. Like it, there has to be some way to infuse B Lab as an organization or B Corp in terms of its standards into IBIE somehow. We did that a little bit, actually. Our creative director, Jordan Winter, who actually produces this podcast, she has done a lot of work with B-Lab in her professional life. And she did a presentation at IBIE that she titled, Are You a B Corp and Just Don't Know It? And kind of identified all these values for bakeries to look at, to think, hey, wait a minute, I'm already doing that. Maybe I should explore this certification. So hopefully we have companies like Chabasso that can help infuse this culture into the industry through IBIE. Yeah, totally. And hopefully three years from now or two and a half years from now, really, we'll have tangible improvements that we can point directly to our B Corp assessment process or certification process and say like, hey, this is this is why we did it. And this was the outcome. This is how it helped us improve. And maybe it'll just influence a few other people to take that step kind of into the unknown and go through the same process. Definitely, definitely. And I think, and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong on this, but I would assume it's probably more common for your retail customers to say, hey, we choose to, we want to purchase product from a B Corp. Like that has a lot of value to us. And Reed and I are going to sort of talk about that next week. But is it a safe assumption to think that's a more common mindset than baking companies saying, I want to choose vendors who are B Corps? Or should the equipment vendors and the ingredient suppliers really start looking at the B Corp certification because their customers are going to start requiring it? The strength of the B Corp community is the interdependency of working together. And of course, you would want everybody to be a certified B Corp. But, you know, as you mentioned, not everybody can meet up to that criteria. But if they believe in it and they want to partner with people who do business that way, that's just as powerful. And I think that as this continues to evolve, you'll see more and more companies who are either a certified B Corp or choose to do business with B Corp companies. And I think that's where the power will come from in changing how the baking industry does business. So I have this sort of visual in my mind, if you think of it sort of as a, as a ripple effect you know, you throw a rock in a pond and that rock is probably the consumer and the the consumer is the one who's going to make that change in the center of the pond and it's going to ripple out. And the suppliers to the allies in the industry, so the equipment suppliers and the service providers and the ingredient suppliers, they're going to be sort of on the outside. Like they're the ones when the water comes up to the shore eventually it's going to impact them and they're going to start 
really needing to have more values in what they do and how their companies are run at some point. But I think it's going to be sort of a slow change, like with any sort of ripple effect. I think it's going to have to start from the consumer and the vendors, whether it be from the ingredient or packaging or equipment. Uh, They're going to see the companies that are driving those results and getting the business, and they're going to want a partner in order to grow their business. People are looking for companies that are doing good. And I think the certification on your package that you're a B Corp says that. And I think more and more people are understanding the badges that are on packages now, which are a variety. But I think those badges really mean something as far as how the company does business. I agree with Rich that it's, it's, it's a consumer driven, uh, you know, the people with the dollars are making the choices. But at the same time, like when you sit down with a retailer and you and you know they say like, "What are you guys doing?" and you tell them in you know earnestly what you've been doing in the last year, not because you were expected to be asked the question, but just what you've been doing. And B Corp comes up and you talk about what we've been doing to get that certification, and their their eyes light up because they connect with it. Yes, they get to communicate to their customers, and that helps. But you know they're engaged, and I think there's this kind of groundswell is just coming from a, um, a societal movement towards people are much more connected to what they're spending their money on. And that's both just the consumers that are going into these stores and it's, it is the people who are making the decisions in the stores. And then we, with our buying power on equipments and vendors, I think it's very rare that any of them are going to be doing a stellar job if they're not focused on their culture going forward, because it's going to be tough to retain fabulous employees and to fulfill the increasingly difficult demands in this economy. Right. And I know there are equipment suppliers who are putting a heavy focus, and I say equipment suppliers, they're equipment and ingredient suppliers who are putting a heavy focus on their workforce and how they treat their employees and the values with which they're running their companies, not because it's a good selling tool, but it's because that is what they believe in. And again, I think the change is slow, but I think it's happening. I think those ripples in the pond are happening and it's reaching all the way to the shore. Yeah, exactly. Um, And like, like you mentioned earlier, you know, any change worth doing usually is pretty hard. So it's good to see everybody kind of pushing the pedal a little bit so that we can all be working on it together. For sure. Okay, you guys, I have one last question for you in this episode. And with everything that we've talked about today, I'm going to ask for a little bit of self-reflection. What would you say comes first, the need to innovate or the B Corp standards? So in other words, would you consider yourselves or consider Chabasso to be primarily an innovator that uses B Corp as a North Star? Or do you see yourself as a B Corp first and use innovation to do good in the world? I'll go first. I, I, I think we're an innovator and a manufacturer who is making products that our consumers are looking for. And by having the B Corp compass, 
we're a force for good. That is how it helps me do my day-to-day and how I work with my team. We are innovating and delivering for our consumers every minute we're out there making bread. And at the same time, we have a compass that is keeping us going in the right direction and looking to get better and better from a people, planet, and purpose standpoint. I agree. I, I think it's it's that's a it's a tough one because I think it depends on like what day you ask me. I might change my answer. But what made B Corp certification possible for us is that we had that compass and that we had that foundational culture. There's some degree of like we've always kind of felt this way. We've always kind of been innovators, like looking for this creative, collaborative, what's next experience for ourselves and our consumers. So I think, yeah, I think I probably would agree with Rich today that it's, uh, we're innovators and that my first experience with learning about B Corps, I guess, 15 years ago was, oh, this feels like us. This feels like a tool or this feels like a group that I want to be a part of. So how do we go do this? Honestly, that's how I thought you would answer, Charlie. Knowing that this has been on your radar for 15 years, I really thought you would say, I'm a B Corp first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'll ask you again tomorrow. I'll call you and ask you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you two. That was the last question for this episode. Um, I really loved this one. This was a great conversation. And again, just like last week, it's looking at what it's like to be a B Corp through a different lens. So I appreciate both of you bringing your perspective in sharing what it's like, knowing that achieving a B Corp certification isn't the end, but really the beginning. Well, thanks for having us, Joni. And thanks for the opportunity to talk about our journey. Yeah. And next week, I'm going to circle back up with Reed Immer. And we are going to, after everything that we've collected on this journey, we're going to look at some of the secondary benefits that come along with being a certified B Corporation. So I'm excited for that one. But for today, just thank you again for your thoughts and your perspective in sharing this journey. Joni, I just wanted to share one thing. Um, The B Corp certification process is extremely challenging. And when I came here and found out we were going down the path and and had the opportunity to speak with Reed, who was leading it, I was like, wow, I'm glad he's leading it and not me, right? (laughs) But the interesting thing is, and and it goes back to a comment you, you, you made earlier, is that He is really taking this and then bringing it to our partners in retail and consumer and making it about this is who we are. And, you know, a lot of times it comes from, I'll call it the back end of the supply chain, but he's the tip of the spear telling what Chabasso is all about and him being the the leader of the certification process just says how much he's committed to it. And it's been my pleasure coming and working with him and him uh, shouldering a big chunk of the process of getting it done. So thanks, Reed. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know that there is a better endorsement. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) And let's just call it what it is. Reed is the B Corp certification rock star. (laughs) He's my star. (laughs) Thank you for that 
for um, adding that postscript. I think it's perfect and it is a perfect setup to tease the conversation that he and I are going to have next week because while you can't go into it thinking about what the secondary benefits are, you have to be pure in your intention. There are some great things and sometimes unexpected things that come out of it that help make your company even better. So I'm looking forward to that. And I just, again, can't thank you both enough for this incredible conversation today. Yeah. Thanks again, Jen. Thank you, John. Thank you for listening to the Troubleshooting Innovation Podcast, and a special thank you to our sponsor, JLS Automation. For more information on JLS and its hygienic robotic bakery packaging solutions, visit jlsautomation.com.